You're listening to the Jesus Culture Sacramento Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching from our guest speaker. For more information on our church, visit jcsacramento.com. I just felt like God had a message for us, and I want to begin at the book of Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to begin at verse 18. I'm going to read out of the NIV, the not inspired version. It's a joke, I think. The Bible says this, forget, forget the what? Come on, help me out. Come on, forget the what? Somebody say forget. Forget. Say it it stronger. I'm going to preach a long time. Say forget. Forget Forget the what? Look at your neighbor. Say neighbor. Neighbor. Look at your neighbor on your right. Say neighbor. Neighbor. Forget. Forget. Look at your other neighbor. Say neighbor. neighbor. It looks like you forgot something. Just tell them that right now. Forget the what? Come on, church. Forget the what? Do not dwell on the... Do not dwell on the... See, I am doing a what? A what kind of thing? Recycled. No, what did it say? What kind of a thing? A what? Not refurbished. Not recycled. What kind of a thing? A what? Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Watch this. I am making a way in the wilderness, way in the wilderness, way in the wilderness. Streams in the wasteland, streams, way very important, streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. To give, my, to give drink to my people, my chosen, I love verse 21, the people I formed for myself. Listen to me. God formed you for himself. That they may complain about their life all their days. I just making sure you're reading the same Bible I'm reading. The people I formed for myself that they may what? Proclaim, proclaim and complain. No. no, that they may proclaim my what? Praise. Come on, my what? Praise. So give God a five-second praise right now. A hand clap and a shout right now. Four, three, two, one. Somebody say yay. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for crazy people. In the nombre de Jesus. Más poderio, más amor, en the nombre de Jesus. Satanás fuera, en the nombre de Jesus. I just pray right now, Spirit of God, have your way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. If you're taking notes, I, I would love for you to take notes. Young people, take notes. Please take notes to write things down. I had an old preacher tell me this. He told me this years ago. He said, Benny, write things down because paper never forgets. Now I would say, write things down because in your notes, in your iPhone, come on, never forget. The problem is that God's going to speak to you and you think you're going to remember, but you won't remember, so you need to write it down. So you need to remember what God spoke to you, so write it down so you remember what God spoke to you. Because it's very profound that God's going to say something to you. People come up to me all the time. They said, my God, when you said this in your message, it was so profound. I never said that in my message. The Holy Spirit said that to you in my message. So there's a message within the message. There's a message that God is trying to speak to you. And if you rely only on the words that come out of my mouth, you may get something, but you got to rely on the Spirit of God inside of you. Because the Spirit of God inside of you is going to begin to tell you things, and it's going to be so tailor-made to you. And you're going to say, my God, he was the greatest preacher I ever heard, but I never said that. The Holy Spirit began to preach to you some things you need to hear. Nobody is here by divine accident. Everybody is here by divine appointment. Everybody's watching online, come on, by divine appointment. Can I hear an amen right now? 
I know you got invited. I know that girl you want to date invited you to church. And she said, if you don't go to church, I won't date you. It was God using the girl to get you to church. Come on, somebody help me. I know they told you I'm going to take you out to, to lunch and it's going to be a great lunch. You just got to come to church. Listen, you thought that there was the lunch that was bringing you God divinely orchestrated that you're sitting here right now by divine appointment. In fact, the Bible says crazy stuff that even before the foundations of the earth that Jesus was crucified. In other words, is that God planned before everything was around. Even before there was a Sacramento, he knew this day would be here. He knew Jesus' culture would buy this building. He knew the seat you were sitting on and God could not wait for this day to arrive. That's how our God thinks. God is always proactive. We're reactive. We always react to everything. But God is proactive. How many know that God is not taken by surprise? Come on, can I hear an amen? amen. We, we, pray, pray, we pray crazy prayers. God, don't you see? God's like, what? I'm God. Instead of, saying, instead of praying the problem, start praying the promise. So, so God has you here by divine appointment. God knew that I would be speaking here. And some of you are like, oh my God, I wanted my friend to hear banning. Come back next week. I know what you're praying. Oh God, let him not be too crazy. Let him be okay. Have you ever thought that maybe, just maybe, I was a speaker that your friend needed to hear today so that God brought your friend today to hear from a crazy Mexican? Oh, don't go racial now. You know we're in California. Well, let me level the playing field. My wife is Caucasian, a.k.a. white. My wife is so white, I call her nightlight white. Which means, Wendy, cover yourself. We need to go to sleep because she lights up the room. <laughs> let, me just, let me just bother somebody right now. We got married. It bothers me when people say, what's it like to have a, a mixed race marriage? A mix? I'm like, wait, wait. I'm part of the human race. My wife's part of the human race. What, what mixture are you talking about? And by the way, our mixture produced coconuts called kids. You know what the coconut is? Brown on the outside, white on the inside. You know what I'm talking about. See, it's stupid. See what I do? Young people are sitting here. I act stupid. So let me get back to be, you know, I, I, I act like crazy, like, like young people crazy. And they're also like, that's so stupid. That's what I'm talking about. You're not stupid. I'm stupid. Forget it. We're stupid. If you're taking notes, write down the title of the message. It's looking, 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 looking. The question that I have is, what are you looking or expecting God to do? Come on, in 2023. Everything in life is about expectation. Some of you were coming to church called Jesus Culture, and you were saying, I can't wait to get to worship. Worship is going to be amazing. I can't wait because when I go there, man, God's presence is there. And your expectation now gets met. Some people are like, oh, I got to go to church today. Oh, I don't want to go to church. I don't know about church today. No church and, and church and, uh, you know, church. And, and they got a guest speaker and I heard it goes long. And, and oh my God. And you, listen, you usually get what you expect. So expectation is very important because when you expect God to do something, and you stay in faith and you say, God, I expect, come on, somebody, good things in my life. 
I'm not saying that storms aren't going to come. I'm not saying valleys aren't going to come. I'm not saying uh, trials aren't going to come. But I actually expect that even in all of that, the Bible says that God will cause all things to work together for my good. What the enemy meant for evil, come on somebody, God will turn around for, for good. My expectation, what is hope? An expectation of good coming your way. That's what causes you to keep going through things. That's what causes you to walk through those valleys as Christ is with you. And you begin to say, you know what? No, I don't understand what's happening right now, but I still believe that my God is a good God. Can I hear an amen right now? So I want to talk to you about expectation. I want to talk to you about your life, your life. Life is made up of three basic uh, areas of your life. Number one, your past. Somebody say past. Number two, say present. And number three, say future. Say past, present, future. Your life right now is a summation of your past. Benny Perez was born in Los Angeles, California. His present, I'm preaching right now in Sacramento. And my future, I'm going to get on a plane and land in the future back in Las Vegas, Nevada. So my past, my present, and my future. Now, what is our past? Our past, very simply, is this, is to be remembered, not relived. It's going to make more sense to adults than to young people. Your past is to be remembered, not to be relived. So many people keep reliving their past than remembering their past. And what we do is we keep reliving the trauma, reliving the pain, reliving the separation, reliving, reliving, reliving. And the past is never to be relived. It's only to be remembered. That's why I could remember what happened when I was a kid. I can remember what happened with my family. I can remember what happened to me when I was in school. I can remember what happened to me at the doctor's office. I can remember all the stuff that I went through. But it does not mean that I have to relive it over and over and over again. It's called a cycle. And Jesus is a cycle breaker. See, a cycle is not supposed to be relived all your life. The woman with the issue of blood, she had a cycle that should have been once a month, but it said that she had this cycle that never ended. And she lived in the cycle over and over and over and over again. And then one day something happened. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I believe the cycle will be broken. Oh, I feel something. I didn't preach this the first one. I'm preaching the second one like this. It's because there is a cycle here. And some of you say, my life has been this way. It's always going to be this way. It was in my parents. It was in my grandparents. I got good news for you. The cycle breaker Jesus is here today. Oh, I feel this. So people always say to me, well, Pastor, you know, this is what happened to me. And I'm sorry that happened to you. And, and I have compassion that happened. I, I'm with you. Listen, I, I could be toe-to-toe with you with, with some pain and with some stuff and some disappointments. But you're not here to relive it. You are to remember it. Uh, somebody told me this. They said, well... They got real spiritual with me. Well, God erased my trauma. He erased my trauma. He erased my pain. I said, that's not biblical. God does not erase your trauma. He does not erase your difficulty from your past. If he doesn't erase it, what does he do? He redeems it. He doesn't erase it because if he erased it, he would erase your testimony. 
Let me preach over here just for a second. Let me, let me ask somebody, has anybody been delivered from an addiction by God? Come on, can I see your hand? Okay, right, right. I'm, I'm glad somebody's excited about it, right? How many have had an addiction broken by God? Can I just see your hand? Okay, the reason why you raise your hand is because you remember it, you're not reliving it. And God didn't erase it because he wants you to be a testimony that if God could deliver me from drug addiction, God could do it for you. If God could deliver me from alcoholism, come on, God could do it for you. If God could deliver me from porn addiction, come on, God could do it for you. God wants you to know that your past should be remembered, not relived. That's why a guy named Saul, who has an encounter with Jesus, name is Paul, and what, he does, what does he do? He begins to give, give his testimony. And he talks about he was on the road. And he was, he was persecuting the church. He remembers it all. But he doesn't relive it. He tells his story about his God encounter that changed his past. And catapulted him to his present. So the past is to be remembered, young people, not relived. Number two, the present is for the moment, not for a lifetime. I'm going to break this down because I want to spend a little bit of time here. It's for a moment. For some reason, I keep doing youth conferences, okay? <laughs> I'm probably going to be 80. Oh, my God. I prayed for you at Jesus Culture when you were seven, and now you're 35, and now I'm praying for your kid? Come on. I'm going to be like Abraham. Come on, Father Abraham. <laughs> Who are you having at youth conference? Benny Perez. Didn't you have him 70 years ago? You know, I was just like... He's like, yeah, he's still showing up, you know. <laughs> so it's so funny when you talk with young people, and I got a 22-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 15-year-old, okay? And so I, I talk to them, and we're very open about life. And we, we have crazy conversations, and, and we, go, we go places with our conversations, and, 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 and we're very open as a family. And so they come to me, and, and maybe some things, it's like, oh, God, Dad, Dad, Dad. They're, they're in the present. Something's happening. Oh, man, Dad, man, I can't believe it. My life is ruined. Dad, it's the longest relationship I had. It was three weeks. I'm never going to love again. Dad, I'm never going to love again. Dad, I'm never going to love again. If we're not careful, we take the moment and project it for a lifetime. Don't allow a momentary affliction to become a permanent mark on your life. Let me help some, let me help some people out. The worst decision you can make in the present is when you're in some pain. My therapist has told me, Benny, you're going through some stuff. Benny, you've got to be careful. Don't make a lifelong decision when you're in some present pain. Come on, somebody help me right now. The present is for the moment. It's not for a lifetime. The, what's the future? The future, very simply, is this. is looking forward with faith, hope, and expectation. So each of these elements in our life are crucial to what God wants to do in our lives. So it brings me to Isaiah chapter 43. The setting is, is that the children of Israel have been taken into captivity. They're in Babylonian captivity. Now, Israel experienced two major things. They experienced slavery in Egypt, and they experienced captivity in Babylon. Captivity, in some ways, is worse than slavery for the Israel, because when you're a slave, you fight to get free because you're under slavery. But in captivity, the power of Babylon 
was that they would take the young people, the brightest and the smartest, and they would take them and they would retrain them and they would get them to change their thinking, to get them to adapt to their culture. Captivity is what the enemy tries to do to us. We are not called to adapt to culture. We are called to be change agents in culture. We're not called to be aggressive against it. Listen, when you're salt, you could be salt. When you're light, come on somebody, you're just light. I don't have to fight. I just have to lift up the truth. Can I tell you, Jesus never argued the truth. He just lived it. If we just be men and women that understand something, you know what, God? No, I believe, Lord God, that you're in my life. You're working my life. You're doing a work in my life. And what the problem is, is that Israel now has been in captivity so long that now they have begun to get discouraged and they begin to say things like this. We remember when God brought us out of Egypt. Remember when God split the Red Sea. Remember when God did that? In other words, they were saying God has done his best work in the past and he doesn't have anything for us now or in the future. We have to be careful that life doesn't hit us too hard that we actually believe that God's best work is behind us. I got a good word for somebody right now. You're here thinking, you know what? I guess God's not going to do anything in my life. And man, I had great times when I was younger. And man, I remember that time when I was younger. Let me tell you something. The devil is a liar. God still has greater things in store for every person sitting here right now. In the name of Jesus, I believe that with all my heart. So what does God do? God begins now to communicate through a prophet named Isaiah. And he begins to share with them some things that I believe are going to help us. Write this first thing down. The first thing he says in verse 18 is he says, look away from the past. He says, forget the former things. Forget the former things. If you continually look behind you, you cannot see where you are going. He says, forget those former things. Why? Because if you don't forget them and you dwell on them, you will never move forward. He says, don't dwell. That word dwell means to exist to stay stuck, to be motionless. Some people, you now get so enthralled with what happened to you in your past, you are stuck. I hear people talking about their broken marriage. That was 20 years ago. He's already jacked up three other women. Some of you should go on Facebook and thank God that guy walked out of your life. Look at him now. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? What happens is, is so many of us, we get stuck in there and we keep dwelling on that, dwelling on that, dwelling on that. And he says this, you're not supposed to stay there. You need to look away, forget the former things. So I have a question. How many of you drove here in a car? Can I see your hand? You drove here in a car. Some of you aren't raising your hands. Okay, let's try something different. (laughs) Does anybody know what a car is? Can I just see your hand? Does anybody know what a car is? Some people are raising their hands. You're a tough crowd. Let me... Do you know that they invented a car? Does anybody know they invented a car, right? Now, now I love cars. Anybody love cars? Anybody a car person here? Car, car guy, car gal? I, I love cars. I, I like Lamborghinis. I like Ferraris. I like Bugattis. I, I just like supercars because they're super fast. I just like them. And, uh, but I'm stuck with a Honda minivan. Come on, somebody help me. Hey, don't hate. It's a touring model. Come on now. You know what's so funny? When we rolled up in our Honda odyssey touring can i tell you something nobody came out and said whoa 
we see where the money is going from the church. Nobody ever came and said, Turing edition, two DVD screens, better be careful, pastor. That's for any hater that's in the room. You know when people got mad at me? When I drove up in my 488 Ferrari, 2020, red, just like Magnum PI, that's for the old people out there. Some guy got so mad at me, I drove up, I parked it right in front of the church. I'm just, I'm trying to see who's going to get irritated right now. Guy came out, he goes, wow. I said to him, say it backwards. Wow. He was getting aggressive with me, I'll get aggressive with you. See how rude it is? I would never go up to your business and say, wow, restaurant owner. Nice car. It's like, it's just people are crazy. He goes, wow, nice car. I said, I know. He said, looks like it has every option. It does. Hmm, pretty expensive. I said, it is. It's this question and answer. I don't know what it is, right? And then he says, he goes, well, wait a second. The license plate is from Canada. I said, you're very observant, Padawan. (laughs) He goes, is this your car? I said, you never asked. You assumed. He said, well, whose is it? None of your business. (laughs) Why am I telling you the story? I don't know. But I like cars. Some of you are like, he never finished a story. Is it his car or is it not his car? I'm going to Instagram, at Benny Perez. I want to see that car. Is it his car or is it not his car? I like cars and I have a 1964 21 window restored microbus. Okay, anybody old, old microbus people, right? I have a 1964, 20, I have a 1964 notchback. Totally awesome. Was in Hot VW's magazine. It's amazing. I love it. I just, I, why do you have 19, because I was born 1964. Okay, so I like cars like this, like, like, like simple cars, no electronics. It's just simple, right? But I noticed something, whether it's a Ferrari, Lamborghini, or the Volkswagen, is to notice this, this, this whole thing is just the same. They have a massive windshield and a small rear view mirror. Car manufacturers are trying to tell you something. You're meant to gaze out of the windshield and glance in the rearview mirror. They have made cars purposely that now that windshield is exponentially bigger than that small rear view mirror. Because if you drive your car, listen, by gazing in the rear view mirror and glancing at the windshield, you're going to be the next commercial on Mayhem Allstate. <laughs> Somebody say amen to that. Amen. I don't even know where that came from. That was good. Right? But, but you know what I'm saying? And what, what's the writer saying? The writer's saying to us, he says, you got to forget what's behind you. Forget what happened. Forget that stuff. Why? Because God is going to do a new thing in your life. You cannot get a hold of the new until you let go of the old. 
Okay, I'm going to say this because I sense this in, this in this experience. How long are you going to hold on to your disappointment? How long are you going to hold on to your disappointment with God? That he apparently did not do what he said he was going to do in the time that you do. Listen to me. I've seen great healings. We saw last night, yesterday, a blind eye open. That's incredible. I could tell you God has healed my physical body, but there are still some things in my physical body I'm still waiting for God to manifest. But I've decided that disappointment is not my gauge anymore. I decided I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to say, God, I don't know. Today could be my day. I don't know, God. Tomorrow could be my day. But I'm, I'm, I'm determined that I will not let disappointment keep me looking in the rearview mirror anymore. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. He goes on the second thing. The second thing is very simply this. He says, don't dwell on that. Don't get stuck on that. But he says, number two, here's what I want you to do. I want you now to look intently in the present. Write that down. Look intently in the present. See, I'm doing a what? A now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. He says, do you not perceive it? That word perceive comes from a recognition and acknowledge and awareness that is not tied to your natural person. Perception in the spirit, I perceive. I, I sense that God is doing something. I sense that God is moving. Uh, there was an old guy that impacted my life way back in the day. His name was Larry Lee. Larry Lee. Larry Lee from Rockwell, Texas. And Larry Lee used to always say this. He said this. He goes, I just know in my knower. I'm like, what? He goes, I just know in my knower. Okay, I don't understand. Benny, I just know in my knower. Which means... I don't know it in my head. I don't know it logically. I don't know it empirically. I just know by the Spirit of God. Come on, old people. You know what I'm talking about. I just know. Like my mama knew when I was backslidden at 18. My mama knew I would be a preacher at 21. My mama just knew. She, I know that you're going to be a preacher. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be in church. I don't like church. I don't want to be there. I'm not there because my parents are making me be there. I used to sit in the back. used to make fun of anything. That's who I was. But my mom and my dad knew in their nowhere. You can say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. But I know one day, Benny, you're going to be a preacher. And guess what? I've been preaching for 38 years now. He says, I, don't you perceive it? Don't you know that you know? And I know that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not behind us. The greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit is right now and is right in front of us. He's right in front of us. Asbury was just a little sign. Baylor University was just a little sign. Breakout's a little bit of sign. I actually believe this, that this next great move of God is not just going to be Brownsville. It's not just going to be Toronto. It's not going to be Marysville. It's going to be an explosion of God's power in churches all across America and all across the world. He says, he says, do you not perceive it? Do you not know? He says, I am making. I am making. When I grew up, my mom used to, used to make cakes, bake cakes. And, and I came home one day and walked into the kitchen. I could smell something. I said, man, mom, what are you doing? 
I could smell like, like these, these odors and stuff getting ready. And, and I could smell like that cake batter and stuff like that. She says, Benny, I'm making a cake. And I'm making your favorite cake. Come on, my favorite cake is yellow cake. Come on, with chocolate frosting. Jeez, I got a better response than I said Jesus on that one. Yellow cake's anointed, praise the Lord, right? How many like yellow cake with chocolate frosting? Wave your hand at me right now. Okay, I'll give you my address. Mail me one, a good one, okay? I, 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 I love it, and, and I love it so much, I should only eat one piece. But I could resist, any, resist anything but temptation. Come on, somebody. So here's what she does, right? She's making a cake. She says, Benny, I got the oven. I got the oven ready. It, it's, it's preheating. I said, that's awesome, mom. And so my mom, you know, this is old school, right? And she'd have to plug in, come on, the, the little beaters, right? It was a handheld one with two of them. It wasn't the KitchenAid. That's Wi-Fi that you program, and it does everything, <laughs> right? And so she, she, she pointed it all in, and then she said, pop, 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 It's like pop, pop, it's like breaking, pop, 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 The spit is anointing, guys. It's okay. Pop, 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 pop. You're being healed right now in Jesus' name. Wipe it all over you. They're like, it's raining, it's raining. What's going on? Jesus spit healed people. My spit doesn't. And so what happened was my mom now would take the pie pans, right? The, the cake pans. And she'd pour the pans. There's two of them. She'd say, Benny, okay, get ready to open up the oven. And I'm going to take the cake pans. I'm going to put them in the oven, right? So I call you, mom. And so she'd take the cake pans and she'd go and open up. And she'd put them in the oven, right? And she says, okay, go ahead. Close the oven. So I close the oven door. And she goes, whatever you do, come on, some of you old folk. Whatever you do, don't open the what? Don't what? Don't open the what? Don't open the oven what? Why? Because the cake will what? Will fall. That was interesting to me. Because all of a sudden I learned something is that the oven is in the same room as the kitchen. But the oven is designed in a way that it creates an atmosphere. Where the cake can rise in the oven. It won't rise in the kitchen. Can I tell you something? The reason why you come to church is this is the oven. This is where your faith, come on, begins to rise. This is where the word of God is being preached and faith begins to rise. This is where worship begins to go and the presence of God begins to come. This is the oven. And you can't open up the oven door with fear, doubt, unbelief, all the other stuff. Why? Because what God wants to rise in your life will begin to sink in your life. So I said, oh man, God. I said, mom, this is awesome. This is incredible. And I said, but mom. Watch, I am making a cake. I am making a cake. What does that mean? Present activity with future results. Present activity with future results. I did not have the cake yet. She had activity going and a cake was coming. But I said, okay, mom. What are you going to do with the beaters? God, Mom, what are you going to do with the bowl? Well, I'm going to wash them. Nope. I am just like the most obedient son on the planet. I will wash them for you. I will clean them thoroughly for you. Go ahead, son. Great. So I go and I pop those things off. Like, like, it's, like it's like a gun. And I took that beater. 
My mom thinking I'm going to the sink. I ain't going to the sink. Come on, anybody ever lick a beater before? Come on, wave your hand at me. Some of you young people, you need to lick a beater every once in a while. Forget the dishwasher. See, see what happens with modernization? You lose. And I don't know about you, but my mom had the old school sharp beaters. I still have a scar in my tongue. Come on from that one. How many lick beaters when you were younger? Come on, you lick the beater, right? Right? And then if you're a really ghetto hood, come on, somebody, right? I would put my fingers in, get that back. I'd like, I mean, it'd be better. No, it'd be better everywhere. Why would I do that? I, though a cake was coming, I had to taste it in the moment. And that was just indication of what was to come. That's why the Bible says, taste and see. Come on, that the Lord is good. That's why you get a little taste of heaven. Come on, somebody. God, God begins to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Why? Because he has present activity. Come on, there's future results. He says, I am making a way in the wilderness. I am bringing streams in the desert. I am doing it. I got a word for somebody right now that God has present activity and there are future results coming to your life. I prophesy that your kids are coming back. I prophesy your marriage is coming back. I prophesy your body's going to be healed. I prophesy financial breakthroughs. I prophesy that this building will be packed with the glory of God and we will build out the next location right here. Present activity, present activity, present activity with future results. How do we practically lick the beater spiritually? It's called praise and worship. How, how do I do that? It's like, man, I don't know. I don't have the full cake now, but I know, God, you are good, good. Oh, you are good. You're good. Oh, I can't sing, but you are good. You know what worship does? It makes me lick the batters and say, I'm tasting of the goodness of God. And I know that he's still good. I know God. Oh, Lord, God, I don't have much. But all I can is hallelujah, hallelujah. I know it's not much, but I, na, 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 for a king. Na, 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 hallelujah, hallelujah. You don't have to be fancy to lick the beaters. Well, what's the protocol of licking a beater? There is none. You know what prayer does? Prayer helps me lick the beaters. Jesus, thank you that you're with me. My feelings are raging saying that you're not, but the Bible says that you are with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. God, I thank you right now. Though I walk to the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, God. I thank you, Lord God. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of Lord God shall raise up a standard against him. I thank you, Lord God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I, I pray the word of God. 
I pray. I'm tasting and I'm seeing that God is good. I'm praying, I'm believing God. When I'm walking through bankruptcy, God, you're still good. And I'm licking the beaters when all hell is telling me to quit. When I'm going through stuff with the loss of my father-in-law and all hell is telling me to quit. When I lose two babies to, 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 uh, to, to miscarriages and my wife only dies on the second one. She's bleeding out in my garage and she's hemorrhaging right there. And I got to believe God and God miraculously saves her life. Friends, I'm telling you a story, not from the Bible. I'm telling you from my own life. And I'm telling you, I've had to learn how to lick the beaters. This is real life. I am making a way. Somebody come back to the keyboards. Because the sign we're ending, but we really don't. <laughs> Preachers lie all the time. In closing, shut up, you liar. <laughs> Penny must do that too. I don't know. I guess he does. <laughs> I do it. Somebody said, he has to say it five times before it's true. Somebody say, I am, I am making. making present activity. Say present activity with future results. He says this young man, he says, I am making a way in the wilderness. You know, there are people die every year for getting lost in the wilderness. They could have water, they could have food, but if they stay lost long enough, they're going to end up dying. You know, there are people that die in the desert not from being lost because they have a lack of water. You know what God is saying? Prophetically saying to two types of people here, some of you feel lost. And God says, I'm going to make a way for you in your lostness. Some of you feel like, man, you're just thirsty. You're just, you're just longing for something. And, and God says, listen, I'm the one that's going to provide streams in your desert. Prophetically, God begins to speak to this nation and begins to tell them, that I'm not done with you yet, that I have greater things come on in store for you, that you got to quit looking in the rearview mirror and start looking out, come on to the windshield. You got to quit reliving. You just need to remember. You need to understand that it's a momentary thing, but it's not going to be for your whole lifetime. You got to remember that the future is bright because God is in the future and God has great things in store for all of us. That even if death for some reason is the final outcome, but that's not really a final outcome for us because when we breathe our last breath here, come on, we're in eternity with Jesus. Everything must be interpreted from the realm of eternity backwards. And, and I'm saying, God, let me look at life that way. But I know there are people here today and I do have to close, God, I do have to catch my flight. And I just sense in my heart that what God has done so well at Jesus Culture that you've been on a journey. And I love, I love your, your pastor. I, I love Banning. I love his family. He's been so kind to me. Kind to my kids. Sending Legos and stuff. And my kids still talk about that stuff. I bought my kids cars and they talk about Legos. <laughs> Ungrateful thing, you. I believe I'm preaching the right message to people today. So I don't know about you, but I got kicked in the tail in 2020. In 2021. 
It was a nightmare, sir. But then I began to have dreams and visions in the kingdom. You know what's greater than a nightmare? A dream from heaven. You know what's greater that the kingdom is so profound. I found myself kind of kind of backtracking a little bit. Maybe preachers aren't supposed to say this. I find myself fighting with myself, trying to lead in unpro- uncharted waters. It's amazing how people are so opinionated about something they've never done. You know that I'm the best NFL quarterback and I've never thrown a football? You know, I'm the best NBA basketball player that should, t- I, I, I mean, I, I told LeBron the other day, you should have passed it this way. I have never shot a basket. Some of you are catching what I'm saying right now. And the Lord began to speak to me, he said, how long are you going to keep looking back at the betrayal? at the trauma, at the pain. And how long are you going to relive that thing? He says, it's time to bury it. And in my own way, I had a moment with God. And I had to let go of some stuff. And then things would come back up again. I would say, praise God, man. Yeah, bless God. And I would just by faith say it. I can tell you what God has done in our church, in my life, is a result of me obeying what God has told me to do. And I'm telling you to do the same thing. That your future is bright. Yes, we've been through some stuff and some of you got to quit talking about how bad it was and this person, that, and honestly, Put your eyes back on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. The New Testament church had it harder than us. The Roman Empire didn't stop the church. Within a generation, come on, the church changed the Roman Empire. I'm not going to go there. But there are people here, and I'm preaching this message for you. Because the Lord says to you and to me, He says this. He says, I want you to look expectantly towards the future because I am doing a new thing. Not an old thing. Come on, somebody, a new thing. Somebody say new thing. Last illustration. I like cars and I wash them quite often and I go to a car wash and they know who I am. And they offer, they probably do that here, they offer like, what kind of scent do you want when you get through the car wash, right? Jasmine makes you sleepy. Why would you have that, right? Car crash caused by Jasmine, you know, or whatever. And then they said, new car smell. Ah, I want the new car smell. It was a date night and I was taking Wendy out. Come on in her Honda minivan touring edition. And I just got the car washed, put it up on my rearview mirror. You're supposed to cut just the edge off so it doesn't just, 
you know, pollute the whole car. My wife gets to the car. She goes, what is that smell? I go, baby, it's a new car. God honest truth. She takes it, rips it off the rearview mirror, rolls down the window, commits horrendous sin by throwing it out the window. Don't you ever put that in the Honda Minivan Odyssey Edition again. So my question is, how do you get a new car smell? How do you get a new car smell? Come on, it's not a trick question. Come on. How do you get a new car smell? By what? By getting a what? Wow! The problem is that some of us are trying to get what God has as new in our own way. Religion is you trying to get a new car smell, come on, your way. Surrender to God and saying, God, whatever you have to do, I want the new. I don't want a new car smell. Come on, I want a new life smell. I want a new perspective, God. I want a new hope. I want new faith, God. I want something brand new. Come on, clap your hands. I want something brand new in my life. So I'm going to let go of the old. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. Hungry for more? Search Jesus Culture on your podcast platforms to check out more from our Jesus Culture podcast network.